0: Coming up on Studos America, I'm joined by Matt Ridley, one of my favorite authors to talk about the origins of the COVID-19 virus. El Salvador continues to lead the way on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. I look at the latest there and did you hear about that black nationalist that shot a white cop in the head last week? No, Wow, seems like a completely inexcusable mistake by our media. I'm sure they got the best apology writers they have, though. Hitting the keyboards right now or possibly not at all. So let's do the war on police.
1: Stu does America.
0: You know, not sure if you've heard recently, but crime is up a lot big topic these days, and I've noticed the tendency of the media and the Democratic Party in our country to occasionally highlight the perceived dangers of white supremacy. I mean, just every once in a while, you might not have picked it up, but I have to watch the news all the time, so I just barely detected this. It's pretty amazing. However, we have not reached the colorblind utopia that Martin Luther King once dreamed of, and that the left is currently of course, in the middle of destroying. You see, we don't seem to have too much equality in this country when it comes to supremacists. I know. First, there was a time when white supremacists were at least claiming to be uh, well, you know, supreme, right? You're supremacists. You're supposed to say you're supreme all the time, I think. Now most of the white supremacist lingo seems to revolve around either being replaced somehow or being the victim of an ongoing white genocide. I mean, it's just unbelievable the victimization of our culture continues. Now it even includes white supremacists. Mm -mm -mm. But I have a tiny little suspicion that if a white supremacist with known ties to a white supremacist paramilitary organization decided to shoot a police officer in the head, we might be hearing a little bit about that on the news. Hmm. Have you heard about Othal Wallace? He was recently arrested and charged with attempted murder of a police officer. There is body cam video of the shooting, which is not particularly graphic, but can give you a sense of what happened. Watch.
1: How's it going? Do you live here? What's going on? There? Sit down. Sit, 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 sit. Sit, sit, sit. sit, sit. What's, sir, can you sit
0: down? I'll talk to you. Stop. Okay. Now, come sit. on now. Sit. Come on now. Don't do this. Sit down. Why are you asking me to go live down. here? Do you live Wh- here, yes or no? What's going on, though? Charlie 777. No, nah, back Stop. up. Man. Stop. 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 Stop, man. man? Amazing. Wallace went on the run after this incident from Florida, Daytona Beach, is where all this happened. He was found in Atlanta. This is such a cliche and you need to maybe just say it along with me. He was found living on the property of a black paramilitary organization in a treehouse, right? We've all, how many times can this story repeat itself? He was a member of the NFAC, the not effing around coalition. And now with NBPP, the new Black Panther Party. But that's not his whole history with black paramilitary groups. A documentary cameraman posted some footage of Wallace at previous armed rallies last year. As he pointed out on the Twitters, a manhunt is taking place in Daytona Beach after police say Othal Ozone Wallace shot a cop, leaving them in critical condition. I filmed Wallace uh, march with the black nationalist NFAC, the not effing around coalition, Uh, That militia in September 2020 in Louisville, Kentucky, that NFAC, of course, not effing around coalition. It's been around in the media uh, for a while, but over the past year or so, there's been some massive protests. I mean, a lot of people at these things featuring black nationalism, militant speech and direction. And of course, lots and lots and lots and lots of guns. No real interest, though, from the media on any of this. Uh, you know, some local media picked the stuff up, but never really a big story nationally. Here's another still from another NFAC event. And there's our man Wallace circled in the red. He's standing there circled in red. However, can I take a quick, can I take a quick sidebar for a second to tell you um, about the guy standing next to the man with the microphone? There he is. Uh, he has the single greatest magazine for a weapon I think I've ever seen. It looks like an elephant tusk. <laughs> or maybe like an Amazon smiley face. It's a, you can fit a lot of ammunition in that magazine. I doubt we'd agree on how that weapon should be utilized, I will say, but I really want that magazine. See, this is what we can do. We can come together. Sure, we might not agree as to who should be killed. You think, you know, all white people? I think no one. But the gun is cool. Let's bond on what we have in common. The founder of the organization, the NFAC, the Not Fing Around Coalition, has had a few issues with the law in the past. See if you can detect any ties to this latest police shooting here. Investigators found videos of Johnson, that's the uh, guy who started this organization, calling for the incitement of violence against Minneapolis police. Quote The only way to stop police violence is to identify and locate. The homes of police burn the houses to the ground, kill the officer, their family members and associates, according, of course, to the federal criminal complaint, which somehow popped up over words like that. And as the local news reported, there were some inconsistencies with the ethos of that organization and Wallace's arrest.
1: We'll show you 29-year-old Othell Wallace here. The 56-hour manhunt is now over. Federal and local law enforcement tracked him this morning to a three-acre piece of property here in DeKalb County with, quote, two structures, a trailer and a treehouse on it. Hmm. Wallace was found in the treehouse on the property with several guns, body armor, a large amount of ammo, oh. according to Daytona Beach Police. In a press conference this morning, Daytona Beach Police said the land is owned by a local black nationalist organization mm-hmm. in Daytona Beach. Chief said Wallace, when arrested, gave officers this statement. Okay. What he said was, you guys know who I am, you know what I'm capable of, and it could have been a lot worse. That was his statement. (laughs) That was a
0: statement, Uh, I will say. I don't know if it's ideal from a defense attorney perspective, but uh, yeah, that's what he said. Uh, Look, you know him. Could have been a lot worse. That's an interesting defense. On an attempted murder charge. Now all this information comes to us from independent journalists and local news sources. Why? Why is that? The big mainstream national companies seem to have no interest in it whatsoever. Why? To the extent that white supremacy is still a thing, it is a terrible. There are some nut jobs out there that still believe this crap. And even though their numbers are relatively very small, they need to be taken seriously. If that was the reaction from the media on this stuff, you could forgive this story being just another terrible local news item. But that's not how they treat it. They want you to believe that white supremacy is the biggest problem we have, almost as big as climate change because they post nasty things on Reddit. But this is a black nationalist from an organization that threatened to kill cops who shot a cop in the head and then went to live at a treehouse at a black nationalist organization's training grounds. And the media, silent. Actually, I take that back. I, I, I wish they were silent. Instead, they are seemingly trying to wish and will more of these events into existence. Let me give you a window into the media's coverage on race and crime from just this past weekend. We'll do that next. Well, you know, yesterday I was at a community meeting right here in Minneapolis, and a group of pastors came together and calling themselves. 21 days of peace. Wow. And this is a community-led effort uh, with cooperation with law enforcement. So community said to the fourth precinct inspector, a guy named Charlie Adams, where are the hot spots? Mm-hmm. And he said, the hot spots are on this corner, that corner, and that corner. And local community people went to those hot spots and said, We're just gonna hold this space. And statistically, a number of those spots have seen a reduction in violence. Wow. So a community-led effort to engage neighbors, to build relationship with neighbors, in cooperation with law enforcement, might just be the key all over the country. It's important to aim high when you're dealing with crime. That's why going for three full weeks of peace is really the answer. 21 whole days. Who could possibly imagine it? On three corners, this one, this corner, that corner, and that corner, all three corners, lowered crime, everything was fine. I mean, look, there's something to the idea that, I don't know, people in the community not throwing things at police officers and instead working with them to help is an approach that might actually, uh, you know, I don't know, reap some rewards. The other part of this, of course, is Keith Ellison, and I don't trust Keith Ellison at all. But that being said, uh, we'll see what happens in Minnesota on that uh, front. Uh, Although I don't know what problem they're trying to solve. I mean, I certainly as a evil white conservative know or think I know that crime has been going up around the country. But what if that just happens to be hysteria? We are seeing these headlines about percentage increases. Uh Now, I want to say that any amount of harm is unacceptable and too much. Good job. But I also want to make sure that this hysteria—you know—that this doesn't drive a hysteria, and that we look at
1: these numbers in context Mm -hmm. so that we can make responsible decisions about what to allocate um, in that context.
0: I mean, any amount of harm is too much harm, except for. Jews. I mean, that's a totally different situation. Uh, I'll ask Elon about that afterward. Uh, Look, you know, you get math and AOC in the same room, bad things happen. So uh, I understand that her being afraid of percentages, who knows? You got to put that stuff in context. But there is a serious problem that we're having with crime right now. It's not as bad as it was in the 90s. It's come down quite a bit from that. And it's it's it is important for us to understand uh, that at times we get lost in, uh, you know, like I, I think I may have told the story on the air already, but my wife was watching some, so she f- started following some some Instagram channel, and it's someone around Dallas who's just posting, like crimes. Like just like you know, security footage of like people walking into like makeup stores and taking a thousand dollars worth of crap and walking out, and then the next one's like someone get car ja- someone gets carjacked, and the next one someone punches somebody for no reason. I do think that that type of stuff it does happen. It can also give you an impression of constant strife and constant crime. That doesn't necessarily benefit you or give you perspective on what's actually going on. The crime rates are still down significantly from what they used to be, but they're going in the wrong direction. I say this all the time. like You come up to a, a place in the road and it splits into two, uh, two different roads. you got to split in the road. One's going to something bad. The other one's going to something good. You should try not to take steps down the one leading to something bad. There's just, there's no point. There's no point it's taking three steps to Naziville, even if it's not actually Naziville. You don't want to get any closer to it if you don't have to. That's just a general, well, certain representatives might want to take a few steps down the road, but I'm just saying don't go down that road if you can avoid going down that road. Here is, uh, I mean, and if you think those clips were bad, <laughs> let me give this one. This is from MSNBC. First of all, I want to direct you to just the incredible hair in this particular clip. This is MSNBC and some people I've never seen before.
1: Why do you think we're seeing an uptick in crime happening right now? I think it's a combination of things, and Mm -hmm. we have to understand that police officers are the the backbone, patrol particularly are the backbone of any police department. And this reminds me of back in the day when I was on LAPD, when officers' feelings were hurt and uh, they had the term blue flu, Mm -hmm. where officers openly talked about slow response to radio calls. You can can break a police chief (laughs) if response time is low, if you're not clearing crimes, if you're not responding to high-priority calls, shootings in progress, murder, robbery, And so officers now we see across these 18,000 police departments are butthurt because, you know, they can't run willy-nilly through a police department and abuse with reckless abandon. So they're stepping away from specialized units, Uh too cowardly to quit outright the department, but they're stepping away.
0: That is what half of the country is hearing about our police. They're too cowardly to quit. They are, um, uh, they are not going into these situations because they're just scaredy cats. And they uh, they don't want to participate in law enforcement. That's not what's happening here. Um, That's not what What's happening here. I will say uh, they're basically the bravest people among us. Uh, So really terrible description here. But I really couldn't focus on everything they said because of the hair. Do we have a can we at least show the beginning of the video? Do we have like a way of of pulling that up quickly? Uh, Because the hair I will say, was uh, distracting. First of all, you've got the lady that was talking at the end there. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. It's sort of an Elvira look, I would say. Uh, I mean, it seems like it's just kind of sticking up in a in a sort of like, almost like uh, when, you, when you spread out cards and you flutter out cards, sort of. It didn't make it all the way around her head, only like two-thirds away around the head. And then the lady on the left seems to be wearing... S- <laughs> Seems to be wearing, I don't know, like a hairpiece from Napoleon Dynamite. Remember when Pedro shaved his head and then he had to make the big speech and he had to go out and buy the, the, the hairpiece? Kind of looks like she's got the same hairpiece on. So, and the lady on the right looks, looks fine, although she does seem like she's asleep in this particular still. But other than that, uh, it was a really good segment on MSNBC. The point here, I guess, is to just say that police... Are, are targeted constantly by this sort of stuff from the media and from the left. And, you know, when, when sh- the lady said that their butt hurt right now, you know, it's, it's worse than that. Uh, you know, uh, the guy got shot in the head. Shot into the head. And this happens a lot. I've had police members, uh, you know, uh, police officers in my family, and I've seen the effect it takes on their families when they don't know if they're coming home. On any given night. You could say that it's it's cowardly to not jump into the most dangerous situation possible. Sure, I'm sure that lady will be constantly in the middle of breaking up gang fights. I'm totally sure she'd just jump right in and stop it. Maybe she would. Maybe she's braver than everyone else I know. But it's not about bravery when it comes to doing the right thing. Police officers get into this business because that's what they want to do. They want to be brave. They want to go into these situations. They want to stop tragedies from happening. And they don't ask an awful lot either. They don't ask an incredible amount from us. They don't ask for millions of dollars. They don't ask for, uh, you know, to be put on a pedestal all the time. What they ask for is to not be turned into a genocidal maniac by the media. And they can't even get that. They can't even get a separation between them and the way the public perceives the Ku Klux Klan. We we can't even give them that. We can't even give them a slight elevation over the Ku Klux Klan. How is that fair? They're not asking us to, 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 to do parades for them. We do parades for them all the time. That's not why police get into it. They don't get into it to do the, 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 the parades. They don't wanna, I mean, look, if they're like me, I don't even like to walk. So at least I'd be sitting on, on the back of a police car or something. But they don't get into it for the parades. They don't get into it for the adulation. They get into it to help people. They get into it because they care about their communities. They get into it because they know this is a way that they can influence the world to to be a better place. And how do we repay them? Every time there's a questionable incident, we get nonstop media coverage about how, how all of them are racists and how they're all beating people up for absolutely no reason. If it doesn't stop, you're going to get no one willing to do this job, except for people who think they can manipulate the system, except for people who you would argue are bad cops. The good ones are going to leave, and could you possibly blame them? Back in a second. Big, big news for everyone's favorite protein company. Built Bar is now the official sponsor of the Olympic USA track and field team. How cool is that? Man, big things happening at Built Bar. If you haven't had a Built Bar yet, you're really missing out. And that's because Built Bar knows that flavor comes first. So they have these limited edition flavors that I'll try to tell you about every once in a while. They just came out with a grasshopper cookie one. I don't know if that one's still available. you got to act fast on these things. They run out pretty quickly. But they have a pack of nine that is always available. If you get the mixed bar pack, you get two of each. It's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and uh, salted caramel. All of it, all of it there for you. Get two of each in a box for, what is it, 18 um, bars come in the box. Built Bars aren't just the best tasting protein bar out there. They're healthy, 130 grams of protein is about the average, 17, no, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein. That would be almost too much protein. I don't think your body could process 130 grams of protein in that short of a period of time. But there's barely any sugar in it, barely any carbs. The bottom line is you're gonna like these things. I know you don't. I mean, if you're watching this show, you like, you can't care about fitness or health. You just, you're just caring about whether they taste good. And you can convince uh, your uh, significant other that you're doing something healthy as well. Built.com is the place to go. Built.com. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code stew 15 and you will save 15% off your, your uh, order, uh, first order. Uh, stew 15 is the promo code at Built.com. Built.com. Promo code stew 15 for 15% off. So happy to welcome back to the program, Matt Ridley. He's the author of How Innovation Works, a great book and why it flourishes in freedom, as well as a brand new book coming out our our way. We're learning in November. Matt, I mean, can you spill the beans here? What's
1: what's the new book about? Uh, The new book is about the origin of the virus that has caused all this trouble in the last year and a half. It's called Viral uh, and it's a co-authorship this time. I'm I'm working with a brilliant young scientist named Alina Chan and we've been investigating for the best part of a year now uh, all we can about the origin of the virus and I can't give too much away yet, but it's gonna be an interesting book.
0: I am—I can't wait to read this one. I mean, it's, if you guys are, I mean, this is gonna be huge. Um, anyway, it's interesting, Matt, coming from you too, because you were not an initial proponent. You were not flying off the handle. I'm a conspiracy theorist. Day one, I know this is a, this is a biological weapon. You were hesitant to embrace the lab leak theory. And it does you know, seem to have greater levels of credibility than it ever has, I guess.
1: Yeah, there's been one of the most extraordinary U-turns in terms of media coverage of, a, of an idea that I've ever seen in the last month, I would say, uh, up until a, a, a month or so ago, even to say you thought it was possible that it came from a lab, uh, which is pretty well all I've been saying. Well, you're right, to start with, I thought it was very unlikely. And then You know, in order, I think the right thing to do is always to examine the strongest arguments against your view rather than the weakest. So I looked at the strongest arguments for a lab leak and I found they were much stronger than I thought. And so I gradually came to change my mind to the point where I thought uh, we needed a proper investigation because both the lab leak and the natural hypothesis were 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 plausible. And then over the last year, the evidence for the natural lab leak has got weaker and weaker because of, sorry, the natural origin has got weaker and weaker because um, they can't find an infected animal or, or a chain of infection in people. Uh, that implies uh, that it happened. And meanwhile, the, the evidence for the lab leak has got rather stronger, particularly the the cover ups that have been happening in China. And just today, there's been this extraordinary bit of news has broken that uh, jesse bloom uh, a um, cancer researcher has been uh, looking into uh, the virus uh, the early virus samples from early cases in wuhan uh, and finding that a lot of them were deleted um, by the scientists in wuhan Um, and that if you download them from the web where they're still ghosting somewhere away on on on, in google cloud um, you can find them and look at them and they they show that it definitely didn't start in the market.
0: This is remarkable because I think we get caught almost too much on the exact origins of the virus when it comes to China in that like, regardless of what happened at the beginning, China has been a constant force in trying to hide uh, what happened and trying to, uh, I think, slow the progress of of trying to you know figure out how to deal with the virus i mean they you know it's continually compared with chernobyl which i don't like from some as a fan of nuclear power uh because this has been so much more devastating but like the way they've handled this they are still not being open with this information and it's 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 remarkable that this continues
1: yeah, no. There's, there's getting information uh, on this question has been like getting blood out of a stone, mm. and uh, it shouldn't be like that. We're all in this together. We've all uh, suffered from this pandemic. Uh, millions of people have died. Hundreds of millions have been ill, and even more than that have had their lives turned upside down. The whole of humanity is in on this, and if we are to be sure it doesn't happen again, we need to understand how it happened this time, and so it's in everybody's interest that we get to the bottom of this and find out what happened and i think from china's point of view uh, it, it, it to to uh, the, to have the uncertainty that it might have come out of a lab uh, is even worse for them because uh, you know while that uncertainty is out there of course the west is going to be more and more suspicious uh, and if they really do believe as they keep saying they do that it cannot possibly have come from the laboratory then the easiest thing in the world for them is to open their books, show us exactly what happened in the first cases, show us exactly what they were doing inside the laboratory, show us exactly what's in that database with 22,000 entries that they, that they took offline in September 2019. You know, these are the kinds of questions we need to be asking, and uh, it, it's, it's just foolish from their own point of view um, to uh, be so unhelpful. Yeah, uh, unless they're hiding something really dramatic. And it does...
0: It does seem like the only answer I can come up with. I mean, the fact that you're pointing out like they should just open up these books. How has this not happened already? Well, you know, we, we're, we're talking about estimates between seven and 10 million people dead worldwide, and they're not even sharing information. And uh, somehow the World Health Organization continues to protect them and run cover for China. I, it is among the most perplexing things I've ever witnessed when it comes to uh to well, international events
1: well I, I think a key turning point was the um uh press conference in february when the world health organization and the uh, um, uh chinese government had a joint investigation which had a pr- elder press conference uh, in which it was a sort of you know uh, three-hour press conference with only five questions allowed from planted uh, sources and they uh, uh, strongly stressed the possibility that it had come to Wuhan, possibly from outside the country, on frozen food. And they rejected the possibility that it could possibly have come from a laboratory. And And uh, I'm afraid that was such a farce that it backfired on both the World Health Organization and the Chinese government. Uh, and that, I think, was as, as powerful and uh, a motivator as anything in getting public opinion in the West to say, hang on a minute, there's something not quite right here. Mm.
0: You know, Matt, I, I guess, you know, in our in my little world here, we're talking about U.S. politics so often. We tend to get kind of, uh, you know, we, we look at it through that prism. Right. And here in the United States, the way the, the coverage has gone, it seems like basically the media dismissed this as a conspiracy theory, largely because Donald Trump and a couple of other conservative politicians said it. I mean, it, it seemed to be almost that clear, though that doesn't exactly explain why the international media uh, has turned their back on the possibility of a lab leak theory. Is this more should I be looking at this less about you know, maybe Donald Trump and more about just the way the, the world is reacting to China right now?
1: I think there's a there's uh, there's a hangover from uh, a period when we actually rather admired China and we haven't really twigged, a lot of people in the West haven't, that uh, this is a very different regime from what we had 15 years ago, you know, when Hu Jintao and people like that, who were sort of semi-Democrats were in charge and China was opening up and it was possible to uh, have entrepreneurs and things like that. Um, uh, I, and, and, you know, look at what's happening now, not just with the case of the virus, but uh, Jack Ma, the founder of Alibaba, has basically be, had his company torn apart from under him uh, and redistributed to chums of the regime and is not, you know, it is not possible to be a business person in China to the same degree as it was uh, 15 years ago. So uh, I do think that the world is rather slow at learning um, just how... Uh, secretive, authoritarian, intolerant, and frankly, fascist, uh, this uh, new regime in China is. It's one of the themes in my book, How Innovation Works, where I I, I talk about how is it that China became such an innovative nation over the last half century? And the answer was because it was very free for a while. It wasn't free politically. But it was free economically. If you wanted to start a business, there were very few uh, obstacles in the way of of doing so. You could get off to the races much quicker than you could in the West, where there's all sorts of bureaucratic regulatory uh, things that you had to do. Um, uh, And I think that's come to an end. I mean, you know, I think it will be hard for China to remain innovative when it is so tremendously centralized and top down in the way that it's run. (laughs) that was one of the most stunning parts of your
0: book where you kind of walk through the process of opening a business in china and as long as you're not running afoul of communist politicians it was really easy uh much more easy than it was in the united states that's not how it's supposed to be matt
1: yeah and and you know there's a lesson there Uh, the, the subtitle of my book is why it flourishes in freedom talking about innovation uh, and I think it is very very important to realize that we don't we don't tell innovators what to do. we can't forecast where they're going to go next. We, we like to think we know the next technology that's going to come along, but we're actually really bad at that. Quite often things get stuck and stop progressing when we expect them to, to go forward and the opposite things speed up. Uh, so we need to liberate uh, innovators to, to explore to experiment to trial and error and find out what it is that can be invented at this particular point uh, in history. And one of the key things I think about regulation in the West is that we've forgotten. It's not so much that regulators say, no, you can't do this. It's that they take so long to say yes, that by then you've run out of money or your competitors have overtaken you or China's got their first.
0: Mm. Uh, it's just incredible, um, Matt. Can you talk to me a little bit about the situation currently uh, in in the UK? Um, we are seeing a, a lot of reports here about how there is a an increase once again in COVID cases. Deaths don't seem to have moved a bit yet. Uh, could this be the results of a, a relatively highly vaccinated population? Uh, what, what's the outlook right now in in Great Britain? Yeah. Well, the the
1: the the. Uh, the, the You know, I've been talking about the possibility that science may have been involved in starting the pandemic. And it's just as it's fair to remind us that science has played a huge role in in showing us a way out of the pandemic through the vaccination program. And uh, these vaccines are miraculous. The UK played an extraordinary um, uh, uh, game in the early in the part uh, towards the end of last year in picking which vaccines to buy and getting good contracts to buy them early and getting, and so we got our uh, our country vaccinated, not as fast as Israel, um, faster than the US to start with, although I think you've caught up now, uh, and much faster than, than continental Europe. So we're 60% double vaccinated now, um, something like 80% of adults over um, 18 are now vaccinated. Uh, and that's making this new variant, this Delta variant, making its task really difficult. Yes, it's spreading. Yes, it's increasing. The rate of increase has slowed down, but it's not showing up in hospitalizations and it's not showing up in deaths. Those numbers are are pretty static and very low, less than 10 deaths a day, most days. And um, so I'm pretty hopeful that what's happening here is that this is spreading among unvaccinated people uh, who are mostly young people who mostly don't get serious disease. Uh, and that we therefore should, as a country, be opening up. Uh, I mean, after all, most of America has opened up. But in the UK, worse even than continental Europe, we have very strict restrictions still. We were supposed to um, get rid of them two days ago. They've been postponed for a month because of this new variant. It's a big mistake. And i tell you what really greats for a lot of British people is that the elites are being allowed to open up. So two and a half thousand FIFA, no, whatever, UEFA officials who are coming into London to watch the final of the Euro football championship don't have to quarantine. The rest of us, if we go abroad, have to quarantine for 10 days. I'm sorry, but, you know, it's one law for them, one for the other. The G7 summit in Cornwall, um, world leaders flew in and all their entourages and lo and behold, there have been outbreaks of uh, uh, the virus in Two places in Cornwall, which is the two places where the media and the and the, the heads of state were. Um, so, yeah, it was a risk. But they didn't have to go through the same isolation uh, uh, on arrival that we do if we travel. Uh, and they had a party on the beach and they're all hugging and kissing each other. Well, you know, it it's kind of annoying, actually, <laughs> for the rest yeah. of us.
0: Hmm. I, I imagine it is. Uh, well, I, I mean, first of all, I look forward to a future edition of How Innovation Works and reading about how these vaccines came uh, through. I mean, I, I think it's gonna be an amazing yep. story to look back at. Um, but from, I mean, looking, I, I don't know, Boris Johnson comes off as a guy who would be, who would look at this, I think, in a rational way, uh, who would look at this as not necessarily like as a, a restrictive uh, left-wing politician would hear. Who would look at this and say okay we've had these issues we now have vaccines we believe in these vaccines and therefore we're going to let people live their lives why isn't that happening
1: yeah well it's a good question and i think you're right that boris's instincts are libertarian are liberal uh, are uh, rational too he's a highly intelligent man um uh, and you know he's not himself a, a, an authoritarian type person but somehow our officials have uh, surrounded him and impressed him with only one side of the argument. That's my view, that, that that he's only hearing people who are talking about, oh, my God, we mustn't take a risk. We must be ultra precautious. And people who, frankly, rather enjoy telling the rest of us what to do. Uh, I you know, I'm sorry to put it quite like that, but mm. I, I think that, that, and by the way, it's not unpopular. So the problem is he can't say, look, the polls are against you because the opinion polls on the whole reflect that people are saying, well, I'm, perhaps he's right. Perhaps we should be cautious. Um, and that's because every night the BBC is full with gloom and doom. And we don't get to hear the other side of the story, in my view.
0: Mm. Matt Redley, uh, author of How Innovation Works and Why It Flourishes in Freedom. It's a fantastic book. You must read it. And I will tell you, I am if anyone who watches the show knows how much I appreciate Matt's work, the idea that you're doing a book on the origin of this virus. I can't wait to read this thing. Uh, it's coming up soon in November. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Matt, we'd love to have you back on when it comes out.
1: Thank you so much. I look forward to it.
0: Thanks so much for joining me in Doing America. Tonight, we'll be doing it all week, so don't, uh, don't miss it. Uh, by the way, I have a quick favor to ask you if you want to help us here at Blaze Media fight conservative censorship. Do you want to do that? Of course you do. That's why you need your very own Blaze TV subscription. Head to blazeTV.com/stew and enter the promo code Stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, you'll save ten bucks. Make sure to do it now. Um, so, let me tell you about El Salvador for a moment. El Salvador is leading the world right now in developing uh, kind of a, uh, an economy that's based somewhat on crypto. So. El Salvador had their own currency, it was sort of a disaster, One up changing a while ago to US dollars. That's their normal currency. Recently, uh, they have a young president who is very interested in innovation, has decided to embrace Bitcoin in a big way. They have this area in uh, El Salvador called Bitcoin Beach. This was an area put together by a bunch of uh, Bitcoin enthusiasts to kind of form an area of El Salvador. That is a Bitcoin economy. Like you buy things there with Bitcoin and that's it. It's grown. It's been very successful. Now they've adopted Bitcoin as one of their, uh, it's an actual legal tender uh, product there. So you can go, you can buy anything, anywhere. Not quite yet, in a couple of months is when it's actually going to be fully ready. But you can go buy anything, anywhere with Bitcoin. First country in the world to do this. People are uh, f- flocking there. They've now announced a new Um, policy where they're going to be giving $30 of Bitcoin to anyone who really wants to participate to try to get people to start using it more. That's going to be coming up uh, soon. They have a giant fund they've built to be able to convert it. So like, you know, if you're worried and this is somewhat understandable, if you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, Bitcoin goes up and down. I don't necessarily want to keep all my money in Bitcoin all the time. So you can have these exchanges going in and out of Bitcoin to the dollar very easily. They've built a big, uh, you know, a giant fund there to be able to support all of that. It really is an interesting effort, and it's something that is taking power away from governments. Uh, This is... It is it is a pretty amazing project, and we're going to be following that pretty closely. Uh, also, Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk are going to be discussing uh, Bitcoin at an upcoming event. Hopefully, Elon tells him how dirty it is and how it's killing um, all the, you know, I don't know, the star-bellied sneeches or whatever environmental concern Elon has these days. Uh, but uh, that's a pretty big one. There's also um, a South African crypto founder uh, vanished along with billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. <laughs> now, look. The history of Bitcoin, there are some bumps in the road on it. I will say there's a great podcast called Exit Scam. If you want to hear an amazing uh, story about a Canadian Bitcoin index, a guy who went on his sunny moon, he was running this Bitcoin uh, uh, exchange, and then he just went to India and just, you know, he happened to die. And there's a lot of questions about whether he kind of maybe faked his death, and all the money seems to be missing. And what happened there? It's an amazing story. It's called Exit Scam. It's available wherever uh, you listen to podcasts. Uh, it's, it's a fun listen. And an amazing story is back from, I guess, seven or eight years ago now um, uh, when the story happened. But the podcast is new. Uh, F9. We're going to talk about uh, lots of cash. F9 is... Doing kind of like the next step in the recovery of movies. We talked about A Quiet Place a lot, because that felt like the first movie that came out and really did some damage at the theaters. Well, uh, F9, uh, which is the absolutely ridiculous... I mean, it just looks ridiculous. Ridiculous in the previews, but in a fun way, Um, Fast and Furious 9 would be $70 million debut, shattering the pandemic records. Uh, That's a big deal. 4,179 theaters. It opened out at 70 million. Now, that's not as good as you would have expected it to have done if it came out in the summer of 2019. Probably would have done 100 million, but still 70 million is a very healthy cinema uh, uh, world. And, you know, hopefully it's going to help these theaters get back on their feet. You know, you can't meme stock your way to success forever, uh, as AMC uh, has done here in the past uh, few months. So we'll see if that continues. But it does seem like now these companies can be free to just open it up, let people go see these movies. And it does seem like we're past this, which is really, really exciting, despite there's still tons of fear in the media. James Corden is in trouble. Uh, he uh, He does a segment called Spill Your Guts, And he, I guess, like, they come out and they bring out gross foods from around the world. Uh, They did uh, boiled fertilized egg dish, uh, thousand-year-old eggs, and pig blood tofu. Jimmy Kimmel said he thought it was really disgusting. Well, that's offensive to Asian Americans. If you can't eat pig blood tofu, you are a hate monger. You might as well just just join the Ku Klux Klan. Might as well just join it. Because that's the type of thing a Klan member would uh, engage in. So Jimmy Kimmel, of course, doesn't get in trouble for actually wearing blackface, but is in trouble for not liking pig blood tofu. That's the world you live in. And Disney has renamed Boba Fett's ship. It was um, called Slave One, not because it was a slave ship or he had a bunch of slaves on there. Uh, No, he he wears a helmet, not a hood. However, uh, slave 1 sounds like slavery, which sounds like b- b- bad, so they're changing the name. Now, it's talking about slave like, you know, you can control it remotely, so it's a slave. Like you have a slave monitor on your computer system that just reflects what another one says. And that's why it was called Slave 1. Will no longer be Slave 1. It's now Boba Fett's Starship. They, uh, Disney, uh, Disney Edict has uh, shut down the name of the actual ship. It wasn't in the movies, but it was in a bunch of the other series and such. Anyway, long story short, this is you see these people always retreating from these things because wokeness is weakness. We did the shirt on it. Wokeness is weakness because it's so common, it's just an expression of you being weak. And that's why we got the shirts, Wokeness is Weakness. You can get that, I believe, at wokenessisweakness.com. We like to do those sorts of things. We give you the address to remember, so you go right there instead of going and sending it to studasmerch.com where all the stuff lives. Wokenessisweakness.com. Back in a second.
1: What's going to happen? How many people are going to get back up? Write that what sign right there, let your picture?
0: Oh, my... Oh, my goodness me. Oh, no. oh. bike crash. It- uh, the lady just stuck her sign out there trying to take a selfie. I, it caused a giant crash, a tragedy at a sporting event. I can't imagine any, anything more embarrassing than this. I mean, unless you're a you know, professional baseball team, uh, team's game and you reach out to the stands to catch a foul ball. That was still very much in play. Besides that mortifying kind of event, I understand why this woman has fled the country. Sometimes embarrassment can be terminal. Uh, Also, we have uh, a Louisiana man, was on meth, decided to drive while on meth. Always a good decision. And he decided to drive to a prison and tell him that God told him to go to prison. Which, you know, God's pretty smart. God told a man on meth to drive to prison and turn himself in where he was promptly arrested for possession of meth. So God does work in mysterious ways, and he definitely does work. Uh, 100%. That's a good advice uh, from God there. Yes, if you're on meth right now, which about 80% of our audience is, go to a prison immediately. See you tomorrow.